The National Football League has taken a book out of the National Basketball Association's book and had a chaotic offseason for sure. My name is Chase Williams. You're listening to Cuts to the Chase. And today we bring back Kyle Bauer to talk about the NFL and all of the free agency chaos we've seen. But Kyle, how are you today? I'm good. It's good to be back on the podcast. I know it's been a minute, but uh, always fun to, to do this with you. It's been about six weeks. That's the longest break we've had. But then again, I think I've made maybe maybe two podcasts in those six weeks. So, um, you know, it is what it is. But we'll have some fun. We'll start off with some of the um, less chaotic NFL news um, and some of the bigger names and just jump around all over the place. We'll have lots of fun. And then, of course, as always, we'll wrap up with um, spotlight of the episode of as we always do. I say always, but half the time I forget. Um, so writing it down so we remember. But starting off, we're, we're going to start off with what I think most people expected from this offseason. Um, we expect this to be the big storyline, and it honestly hasn't. It's Aaron Rodgers. Um, it, to not much disbelief, in my opinion, he re-signed with the Packers. But did this surprise you at all? I'm going to be completely honest. This surprised the heck out of me. Um, I thought he had burned bridges to the point of no return. And I thought he and Devontae Adams were going to end up playing together somewhere else. Uh, Initially, my first thought was Denver. um, And obviously uh, that didn't happen. And Aaron Rodgers is still going to be a Green Bay Packer. You know, that's interesting because I really like – I figured they would figure it out for Aaron Rodgers. Now this, by that, I do mean I expected to see Devontae Adams on the Packers. And we aren't seeing that. That is for sure. He has uh, become a Las Vegas Raider that we'll talk about a little bit later on. Um, So, you know, when he resigned, I said, all right, that means they're going to run it back. Um, But we did not see that. So, it's interesting knowing that Devontae didn't come back. I would have expected him to move on as well. Um, but honestly, since he his move was first, I can't say it surprised me. But with all the changes to, well, not just NFC North, but all of the conferences, what kind of is your outlook early on at this point free agency for the NFC North? Even with losing Devontae Adams but having Aaron Rodgers, do you believe the Packers are the favorites? I feel like the Packers have to be the favorite. I mean, they've got Aaron Rodgers, who's, you know, multi-time MVP. Um, and the rest of the division is just not that strong. Uh, the Bears are not in a position to um, to challenge for anything other than maybe a four-win season. Uh, the Detroit Lions still have Jared Goff at quarterback, um, despite their awesome weapons around him, I feel like. Uh, and the Minnesota Vikings aren't sure what they're doing i feel like they're trying to rebuild Uh, i know they're trying to trade uh danielle hunter um but i just i don't see talent in that division so i expect the packers to win it but uh i'm anxious to see what they do with the draft because honestly i feel like they have to draft a wide receiver first round uh or else this whole thing is kind of a bust so keep your eyes on uh jameson williams from uh from Alabama, I think he would be an awesome fit, and I think that would make Aaron Rodgers very, very happy. I don't disagree with you too much, especially on that latter point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they go for a wide receiver early. Um, Jameson Williams is a potential fit there. I agree as well. But I think there's 
going to be a little bit of a toss-up in the NFC North. I think it will come down to probably the Packers and the Vikings, and depending if the Vikings can really compete in those games against the Packers, if they can, I think we'll have a close conference call. If not, I think Green Bay will run away with it. Um, But I also disagree. I don't think the Bears will win just four games, though they did lose Allen Robinson, another thing we'll talk about later on in the podcast. But I think the Bears could take a step forward with the fact that they have not a rookie quarterback, but a second-year quarterback, a new coach. I think that they will hit a little bit of reset and hopefully be a little bit more improved. But when it comes down to it, there's a good chance the Packers come comfortably win the North. It seems like they do most years, and I'm not sure there's any team quite prepared enough to compete with them this year. Maybe maybe next year, though. Um, but while we're on the topic of large, big-name quarterbacks, a while ago, Tom Brady announced his retirement, and then more recently, Tom Brady unretired. Since then, and even before then, there were rumors that Miami was going after Tom Brady, trying to trade for him bring him to the Dolphins, and it's kind of been shut down since it was questioned again after Tom Brady unretired. But did you believe any of these rumors, and what's your opinion on what could have been Tom Brady to the Dolphins? Big hypothetical here, but kind of kind of a fun one as well. Yeah, this one is uh, intriguing because I did try to do some more research into this because... I mean, if you're, if you're the Dolphins, you're dumb not to consider looking at the greatest of all time. So I think from their perspective, this was very much a uh, let's do everything we can to make this happen. Um, For Tom Brady, I don't think it makes sense. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is still his best chance to win now, although I do like some of the moves that Miami has made. Um, I just I don't see enough talent on that defense personally. Um, so, I mean, I believe the rumors because from the perspective of Miami, why wouldn't you try? Uh, so, so there's that. I, I completely agree. I do question, you know, how much could Miami have done that they did this off season if they were in the middle of trying to get Tom Brady, you know, I'm not sure that they trade for Tyreek Hill, um, and do different things like that, unless they seriously don't want draft picks for the next, what feels like 20 years. Um, but with that, I also agree. I, I think it would have been really fun to see him back in the AFC East, um, competing against the Patriots, even though I think the Dolphins are a clear step ahead of New England at this point. Um, but I would have been absolutely shocked if there was a move made there. But personally, I would say looking at the NFC South as a whole, now that Tom Brady's back in it, they are the clear favorites. I don't think there's... I don't think they're quite as strong as the last two years. Um, I think they may struggle a little bit more, but I do think they are the clear favorites in the NFC South. Would you agree with that statement? I think that's an absolutely fair statement. I just don't see any other team in that division uh, doing enough this offseason to to kind of take over. Um, I mean, Jameis Winston is back in New Orleans, which to me is awesome. I think he is extremely underrated. Um other than that, you know, Carolina is still Carolina. And right now, uh, Sam Darnold is still their quarterback, uh, I think. And I think they think so. Um, and you got Atlanta that is just kind of an absolute train wreck right now. Um, getting rid of their quarterback, which they desperately needed to do, and, and losing their number one wide receiver to a suspension. Um, Kyle Pitts is about the only 
uh, threat they have. So I think Tampa Bay runs away with the division. I I mean, I can't agree more with what you just said. New Orleans, I think, is the only one that has a chance to compete. That's if Jameis Winston is playing like a god, and I don't expect him to, if I am honest. Um, I think that will be very, very tough for him to do with the Saints and all the changes there. Um, They don't have Sean Payne anymore, so I do think Tampa Bay runs away with this. And going from what's probably, honestly, especially if Tom Brady did not unretire the worst division to arguably the best division now, the AFC West, the Broncos. Many people felt like they were a quarterback away, so they got a quarterback. They traded for Russell Wilson. What's your opinions on this trade? Did the Broncos give up too much? They gave up a lot of picks. Noah Fant, a good defensive player, Drew Locke. They gave up a lot for Russell Wilson. Is it going to work out there in Denver? What's your opinions on this trade? Well, I think I kind of differ from everybody else in that I didn't like this trade for Denver. Um, don't get me wrong. Russell Wilson is a huge, massive upgrade over Drew Locke. Um, I think Russell Wilson is is still at the, the top of his game. He was without an offensive line for uh, a couple of years in Seattle. So he was, you know, running around frantically. Um, I think it's going to work out for Russell Wilson. I do think the Broncos gave up too much in terms of the talent and the picks combined. Um, Shelby, uh, was it Shelby Harris, the defensive lineman, solid defensive lineman. That was a a tough give up for, you know, they already didn't have a whole lot of talent defensively, in my opinion. And they gave up, you know, a starting defensive lineman. They gave up their number one tight end, who I think is going to be a star in this league and has already kind of shown that he's got the talent. Uh, and so, and then that coupled with draft picks, that's a lot to give up for a guy who it still could be on the downward trend of his career. Um, he's not the same Russell Wilson he was, you know, four or five years ago. Um, don't get me wrong. The Broncos made a good move in getting Russell Wilson, but they're in the toughest division now, and they're trying to make the right moves to make them a playoff team. And I just don't know if that was the move that they should have made to really put them over the top. See, this is interesting because while I do think they gave up a key defensive player, I think the Broncos have a decent defense. You know, looking at the end of the year, um, the PFF ranked them power rankings wise, the fifth best defense and climbing. They did give up a good defender nonetheless. And I, I, I think they did not give up too much to give them no chance to compete, at least. They are in the toughest division, in my opinion, and it's not going to be easy. In my opinion, they have a very, very, very small window. Like, if it doesn't work out, they're just even on the brink of the playoffs, you know, um, uh, a seven, six, seven seed or right outside the playoffs, they have to blow it up quickly because uh, they are – going closer to being mid-level defensive-wise, in my opinion, this year. On top of the fact they're in the toughest division, Russell Wilson's only getting older, and they're not going to be bringing in so much new young talent because they gave up draft picks for him as well. So it's kind of a bang or boom right away. Got to go for it. And if it doesn't work out, then they kind of got to give up on it very, very quickly. But if there's a guy to bet on, it was Russell Wilson, in my opinion. Um, but kind of, I think you already answered this. 
But does this really help the Broncos at all? I think it helps this offense potentially show how great it is. They did give up a key piece um, in Noah Fant going to Seattle, but they still have a great receiver core. Um, I'm excited for this offense. I think it could be one of the best offenses. But if you remember um, what was probably now close to 15 years ago, the Chargers had the best offense and missed the playoffs completely. They also had the best defense this year. So just because you have a good offense doesn't mean much. But in your opinion, does this help the Broncos at all? Do you think they're going to go from a team that wasn't really competing, if we're honest, this year for the playoffs after the first month to a team that can compete? Or do you think they'll stay about level because of the pieces they gave up in this trade? I think it helps them this year. Uh, I mean, obviously, they have a team that is built to compete. Um, I don't see them uh, winning the division, and I don't see them – uh, getting past the first round of the playoffs if they even make the playoffs. Um, so realistically, yeah, their team is better right now than it was. But long term, I think they might regret this trade. I think that's fair. I definitely think they may as well. Um, we're going to translate or, or transition over to a division rival. And we've already talked about him a little bit. Devontae Adams, he went over to Vegas and is going to be part of the Raiders. And not talking so much about him, but talking about his college quarterback that's now his NFL quarterback. How much does this help Derek Carr? I personally think he's a fantastic quarterback, and now he has a great wide receiver to show that. Um, people are ranking him the fourth best quarterback in this division, which is fair. But do you think this will really, really help Derek Carr in that Raiders offense this year? I absolutely do. I mean, Derek Carr, like you said, he's a really good quarterback. Um, He's been lacking the elite level targets, uh, in my opinion. I think you might agree with me there. And having somebody like Devontae Adams to be your number one guy with some good complimentary pieces around him, uh, this this Raiders offense is good, is really good. Again, though, this this division is just such a crapshoot because all the teams are really improved. So it's going to be an interesting year, but I think uh, Carr is going to have a fantastic year. We're going to see him in the Pro Bowl. We're going to see him as an MVP candidate. Um, so it's, it's going to be fun to watch. I completely agree. I do think that it will be super fun to watch. And let's remember, the Raiders – made the playoffs this past year in a year where it was full of chaos. Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, everything that went down there and more. Um, You know, they're coming in with a new coach, which I think is the biggest question mark about all this, but he's an offensive genius, according to some, Josh McDaniels. And I think there's no way Derek Carr's numbers don't get better. He had such a connection with Devontae Adams. You know they're hanging out, working out right now out there in Vegas. I think he could arguably be the most fun quarterback to watch in this division. He may be the worst, but I think he might be the most fun next year. Um, But looking more at Devontae Adams and his side of things, do you think he made the right decision by leaving Green Bay this year? Uh... I have mixed feelings about that. Um, one, because he, he left a team that is likely going to win their division. Um, and he's going to a team that is going to struggle to compete for their division because it is such a strong division. Um, obviously, he wasn't ready to 
to play under the franchise tag and he felt like he deserved to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league. Uh, and for that, I mean, that's going to cripple uh, the Raiders down the road cap wise. Um, but he made the right move for him, um, whether or not it works out and, and he gets himself a ring before he retires. We will see. I, I understand that. I mean, it is not, I can't imagine, not that I've ever played under the franchise tag in the NFL, but I can't imagine it's a whole lot of fun um, in that short term, uh, no long term security, I guess. But I also do think, I mean, the next question is do you think he possibly gave up um, and lost faith in Green Bay? I think there's some of that in here, too. I think he made the right decision. Year after year, Green Bay is a contender. They're told that they're going to be, you know, one of the NFC favorites, that they're going to compete for the Super Bowl, and they follow up short what feels like time after time and I think it was time to move on if I'm honest for him I don't see you know I don't know how much longer Aaron Rodgers is really going to be at the top of this game Um, Aaron Rodgers is a head case I think you could say in general Um, but I think it was time for him to give up and move on I don't know if he really lost faith because you're right it is they're definitely the favorite if he stays they're probably the favorite if he leaves they're one of the better teams in the NFC with him on it. But, you know, I think this was a, a good move for him personally, I would say. But staying inside this team, going to what I think is a very underrated move on the defensive side. Chandler Jones signed with the Raiders. He will be part of their front seven. Is that a big boost to their defense? I mean, kind of an underrated defender in the way the media talks about him. But I think most people also respect understand how good Chandler Jones is what do you think about that boost to their defense I thought that was a fantastic signing Um, I like his fit uh, with the Raiders I think he's going to wreak havoc on the QBs in that division Um, like you said I mean the the media doesn't give him the attention that it gives some of these other uh, front seven defensive guys but he is a solid contributor year after year after year um, we're going to look at this, uh, this acquisition as one of the best of the off season, if not the best, uh, based on how the Raiders end up doing, uh, if they, you know, I mean, if they pull away and win this division, uh, I think it's going to be a large part thanks to Chandler Jones and what he does for their ability to, uh, to defend the other, uh, the other team's passing game. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to boost the people around him. I mean, he's the kind of guy who's going to draw attention and he's going to free up other guys to uh, to to kind of make some noise and to do some damage. So um, a plus signing right there. Uh, that's that's going to be a good fit. I agree. I think I think it's a very underrated signing, though, uh, at this point in his career, uh, it, it could be a little I could be overhyping it a little, in my opinion. I think he'll definitely boost this defense, make it better, but it may towards the end not be some amazing fit um and just because Chandler Jones is going to be getting on the latter half of his career or if he's not already there and so it helps them this year for sure but I'm not sure it's a longevity move by the Raiders if that makes sense but talking about moves on the defensive side in the AFC West the Chargers. Uh, I mean, you think of the Chargers these past few years. They've been a super fun offensive team. But now they've traded for J.C. Jackson and Mack as well. And this defense is just fan 
fantastic in a lot of ways. They got two of the best. You got one of the best edge rushers. You got one of the best secondary players currently in the past few years in the NFL. In the AFC West, now the Chargers have some defensive threats as well. What's your outlook on this Chargers team and their defense? Well, like you said, these are two huge acquisitions. Uh, I know Khalil Mack hasn't really um, put up the numbers that were kind of expected of him in Chicago, um, but I expect him to still be, you know, high-end edge rusher. Uh, J.C. Jackson is a solid, solid pickup for the secondary. Um, you know, keep in mind, they still have Derwin James, and they've still got uh, Bosa. Like, their their defense is full of those names that you just look at on paper and you think, wow, I would not want to face him. Uh, so they've got some danger guys all around. Um, they did lose, you know, uh, 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 an edge rusher, that uh, Uchenna Nuosu, who I think was a really underrated edge rusher. So, um, but replacing him with Cleo Mack is, is solid. So I don't think they're going to be upset about that at all. Um, so, yeah, I think this, this defense is, is scary and the offense is pretty darn good too. So I expect the Chargers to, to make some massive noise this year. I believe between Bosa and James and the additions they have, <laughs> this is the best, most well-rounded team in the AFC West. I should say most, round, most well-rounded. I don't necessarily think they are the best team in the AFC West. I'm really excited to see how they fit. Um, but, you know... I'll also be curious. You see, you see these cornerbacks have great years with the Patriots, and then they kind of disappear. Darrell Revis, after he left, eh. Stephen Gilmore kind of took a step back after his few, his really great defensive player of the year time in New England, and you saw New England cut him this year, trade him. Um, J.C. Jackson could be the same thing. Mac had a lackluster. Cleo Mac had a lackluster year with the Bears, so I think it's because the Bears had a lackluster year in general. He was wreaking havoc. I remember watching him being amazed from his very first game against Green Bay with the Bears. So I want to say these are risky signings, but again, kind of similar to Chandler Jones. Uh, Big names, exciting, um, but how much will they really make a difference? I think they will make a difference. I think all three of these signings, whether it's Jones to the Raiders or Mack and Jackson with the Chargers, I think are going to be very interesting signings this year um and i think this is the most well-rounded team now but i also am trying to keep myself down to earth a little bit because the nfl is just so interesting to see a guy be a star and disappear within two years um but no doubt about it, i think on paper oh, i can't predict what jc jackson does next year really i realistically i'm just a fan i think they should be the most well-rounded team at the afc west and looking at the afc west as well before we go to break ranking them one through four i still got to put the chiefs first though i think there is a lot of contention for them to but they will have not as dominant of a year on the afc um, and the uh, AFC West, to be exact. And then I got to put the Chargers right behind them because they're the most well-rounded team. They just haven't proven themselves. And then it's a toss-up between three and four for me. Um, but where are your rankings one through four? I'm kind of in the same uh, zone as you. Like I, I, I do think that as long as Patrick Mahomes is in Kansas City and the way that offense runs, they they have to be one of the top two teams. Um the Chargers, I think, have gotten better to the point where they 
could win this division. Um, and then after that, uh, kind of like you said, three and four are a toss-up. I still think uh, the Raiders are the third best team, and I think the Broncos are the fourth best team. But I would not be at all surprised if the, you know, the rankings I just said get flipped up on their head by the end of the season. This is truly one of those divisions where any of the four teams could win the division. Any of the four teams could make the playoffs. Um, I mean, all four of these teams could make the playoffs. <laughs> like they they have enough talent. Um, I just think that the if if I have to say right now, I've got the Broncos at four, and I've still got the the Chiefs top two. I'm hesitant to say number one because um, I like the Chargers moves. So, um, but yeah, it's an interesting division for sure. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And I think if I I look at these teams and break down what I truly think can happen with them, um, I think the Chiefs are a playoff team. I also think the Chargers are a playoff team. Um, may struggle a little bit to get in just because of the fact that they're playing the AFC West and will obviously have to be a wild card team. And then on the edge, I think are both the Raiders and the Broncos. Um, I think no team has literally no shot. I think they all have a shot at the playoffs. But it's very similar to my feelings going to the NFC West last year. And obviously, um, the Seahawks were a waste of time. Um, let's just be honest here. They had an awful season. There were lots of reasons why. Uh, but is there any teams you think don't have a chance to make the playoffs at all? Or do they all realistically going to compete and, you know, be early January and all of them could possibly make it? I think if any of the four teams are going to be that team that isn't a playoff team and, like, it's obvious, to me, that's Denver Broncos. Um, I just – and I know I'm a hater and I – I've tried really hard to look at their roster and, and not be biased about it, but I think they're the weakest roster in the division. So if any of the four teams are going to be the team that, you know, kind of pulls a Seahawks move, I think it'll be Denver. Well, we're going to go to break real quick. We're going to take a short one and we'll come back and we'll talk. We were not quite done with the AFC West in some ways. We'll talk Tyree Hill. We'll talk about Miller who almost went to Denver, a few other players, and then, some free agents that haven't been signed yet before wrapping up with um, the spotlight of the episode, of course. But as always, you're listening to Cut to the Chase. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back into Cut to the Chase. And, you know, we've been covering the FC West, AFC West, excuse me, specifically these past few minutes and all the chaos of the NFL free agency. And we're not quite done. This last one is a trade that covers – uh, AFC West team, the Chiefs traded away Tyreek Hill. He is now part of Miami. And before we look at this from the Dolphins and Hills perspective, let's talk about the AFC West and get just get done with it. How does this affect Pat Mahomes? Obviously, uh, you look at it, he is a great quarterback, top five quarterback, top two quarterback, to some the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, but big Part of that is his huge plays. Uh, oftentimes, those end up in Tyreek Hill's hands. It's 50-plus yard, just amazing throws. So how does this trade affect Patrick Mahomes, in your opinion, Kyle? Well, he definitely lost the the big speed threat. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill is, is fast. He's extremely fast. And those plays where he just, you know, runs as fast as he can out into open space, you know, going – 
on a deep post route or whatever he decides to do and Mahomes' ability to just kind of throw it up there where only Tyreek can catch it. I mean, that's going to be a big loss, not being able to do that. Right now we're looking at a, a team where um, you got to imagine Kelsey's going to get 30 targets a game at this point. Like, he's he's that good. And uh, Mahomes is going to need somebody to throw to. Um, Juju is going to fit into this offense, I think, pretty well. I think we're going to see him put up better numbers than he has in Pittsburgh. Um, so Juju Smith-Schuster is back, ladies and gentlemen. And it won't just be uh, dancing on the sidelines or on the midfield logo. It, it won't matter. He's going to put up some good numbers. But I still think the Chiefs should get another wide receiver that I mean you can't you can't replace Tyreek in that offense I don't think because of his specific skill set but find another guy who can kind of bridge the gap between having to throw to Travis Kelsey a hundred times a game um but yeah it's gonna be a big loss for them but I mean they've got the enemy at coordinator and he's kind of the mad hatter uh so I expect them to still be able to put up some points I agree. Um, no doubt about this will change how Patrick Mahomes plays. Um, but Patrick Mahomes is a great player nonetheless. He's got Juju Smith-Schuster. He's got Travis Kelsey. He has McCole Hartman. He has so many weapons still. I don't really think there's too much of a worry. It may not be so much long passes anymore, quick drives, but I definitely think that there's no doubt about it. Patrick Mahomes is still going to be Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be a great player. This is going to be a great team. Not too much to worry about. It just will be a little bit of a different type of drive. We won't see fast-paced deep bombs. We'll see more methodical drives, which at some point was going to happen anyways. But now looking at this from Miami's point of view, I personally think this comfortably puts them as the second-best team in the AFC East. The Patriots are one of the few teams that haven't gained a lot or lost a lot. Actually, I'd argue they have lost quite a bit with losing J.C. Jackson, but that was something they knew was going to happen. Um, I, I think comfortably Miami is the second best team. They beat New England both times last year um, and struggled throughout points. They beat up on a pretty easy second half schedule to make a push for the playoffs. I think Assuming everyone comes back playing just as well as they were last year, Tua takes a step forward again. I think this is the second best team of the AFC is a AFC East, excuse me. But what's your opinions on that, Kyle? Well, talent wise, Miami is still a little bit weak. Um, and I think they're putting a lot of money into a wide receiver um, that, you know, similar to the Devonte Adams thing, it may cripple them salary cap wise down the road. Um, I don't like the idea of overpaying a wide receiver, a singular wide receiver, because I, I just think that you need more. Uh, I mean, you need more targets. You need more weapons offensively to do that. Um, I've been really enjoying all the memes going around about how, you know, uh, like Tua throwing long to Tyreek Hill is going to work out where he underthrows him every time. Um, I, I think those are hysterical. I think Tua is going to be okay. Uh, I still think he deserves to be their starting quarterback. I don't think they really should, you know, trade for Tom Brady or anything like that. I mean, it it just makes sense. Two out of Tyreek should be a lot of fun. Um, I think they're probably the second best team in that division. 
but you are missing out on one very important, or I guess two really important acquisitions for the New England Patriots, and that is the two-headed monster that they're going to have uh, acting as their offensive coordinator, uh, and that is the combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. And that is not an exaggeration. Matt Patricia is going to be a coordinator on offense, not on defense. Um, so I'm anxious to see how that goes because I can only assume it's going to be a train wreck since those two guys were were such good head coaches in the league. I mean, they were just phenomenal for their respective teams. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun to see how bad they make the Patriots offense. Um, so all kidding aside, Miami should be the second best team in that division. But as long as uh, the Patriots have Bill Belichick as their head coach, um, they'll find a way to win games they shouldn't. They probably will, but I don't see them winning as many games as they shouldn't this year. They just don't have the talent. They don't have impressive weapons. And because of that, between Waddle and Tyreek Hill, I think we're going to see Miami win more of those games. And I think that's why they are the second best team. But I'm not confident that they're a playoff team. This is the final question. Are they a playoff team? They, I think, will compete again this year. But honestly... I wouldn't be too surprised if all four AFC West teams make it, and meaning that the Dolphins don't make it unless they win the division. I don't see that happening over the Buffalo Bills this year. I just I I don't think there's a ton of changes. I still think there's a lot of madness about the Dolphins in a lot of ways, and so because of that, I'm not sure they're a playoff team. They're a fringe playoff team, but not a playoff confirmed team. And I don't have too much faith in them playing late into January but do you see them as a playoff team uh right now I've got them as I mean kind of like you like a bubble team they could do it I mean if they beat up on their own division in the AFC West beats up on each other so much they could steal one of those spots um I just I don't see them as as talented as of a team um as any of those AFC West teams I feel like if you know Miami was in the AFC West replace any team in the West with Miami, they finished dead last in that division. Uh, so now they're probably not, but I could see them stealing a spot. Yeah, they definitely <laughs> are a team that can slide in. Um, or, you know, maybe they beat the Giants, a uh, giant great division rival in Buffalo. Speaking of Buffalo, they gave Von Miller contracts that made everyone's jaw just absolutely drunk. What's your general opinions on this? Well, we're getting into the the part of the show that I was least looking forward to, um, having to talk about the, you know, the big loss of Von Miller on the Rams defense. You know me, I'm a huge Rams fan. I'm still riding the Super Bowl win. Uh, But Von Miller leaving, that was, I mean, the money he got, good for him. The the amount of uh, years he got for that contract, this is a guy who, I mean, people in Denver were talking about how he was in the twilight of his career that he, you know, was close to retirement potentially Uh, when the Rams traded for him, people were like, Oh, you know, does he have enough left in the tank? And then for him to sign this contract with Buffalo, I mean, good for him. Kudos to him. He earned it. And uh, I do think Buffalo is going to kind of regret this contract later on. Um, I think this year he's a huge, huge boost to them and something they desperately needed. But Wow, that that contract was just wow. Just so people understand, Von, in case you don't know what Von Miller did this offseason, 
Um, Von Miller, who is at 33 years old currently, signed a six-year, $120 million deal with the Buffalo Bills. So he will be 39 by the time this deal is over and making $20 million a year on average, which is insane for a 33-year-old defensive player, especially in the front seven. Just absolutely insane. So um, is this contract too long? Yes. I can't think of a defensive player who was 39 years old in the NFL and doing too much. I can barely think of any NFL players who are 39 or older, Um, you know. Your old guy at left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, I believe is the name. I don't know why I'm blinking on it. Um, if I'm wrong, and Tom Brady are about the only people I know who are above 39. And, <laughs> well, the tackle decides to retire after a Super Bowl ring, um, even though he looks like – because he looks like a grandfather. Um, besides that, I can't think of anyone who's, like, over 39 in this league right now. Maybe a kicker or two. Uh, that's it. That is insane. And $20 million for a defensive player – on average per year is crazy for a player that's definitely past his prime. You know, maybe if it was four years, 80 million, and he was 26, 28, okay. No, he is 33 years old. Also, you know, granted, he did take a step up. In seven games with Denver, he had 10 solo tackles. In eight games with Los Angeles and the Rams, he had 31. He had half more sack. A forced fumble, which he did not have with Denver. He had slightly better numbers, but they weren't. Let's give him six years, $120 million. There has to be something we don't know that Buffalo sees in him. Maybe it's a leadership role that they just really, really like. Um, But this baffles me. I think it's both too long and too much money. Do you think it's too long and too much money, though? Oh, absolutely. And I'm saying that as an extremely biased Rams fan who loved Von Miller and everything he stands for. Um you know, he he helped bring our defense to the point of being Super Bowl contending. Um, he's he's really good. He's really, really good. But he's also, like you said, 33 years old. Um, six years is too much. 120 million is too much. The average annual you know value is is too much. Um, but again, kudos to him for for getting that contract. I feel like. Whoever is in the Bills front office making this decision, they feel like they're playing Madden right now and they're ignoring the salary cap and they're just signing their favorite guys. No, I mean, that's fair. That's exactly how I played Madden. I didn't, you know, understand how the NFL was different than the NBA and how people drop off the face of earth. And, you know, you sign your 29-year-old running back that you love to a eight-year deal worth $180 million, and then three years later, he's a 70 overall, and you're like, what are you doing? Um, that's exactly what Buffalo's front office did. Um, but, you know, if we talk about this for too much longer, I think I might actually go insane. And <coughs> since I did just make you sad, we'll go ahead and talk about a happy signing uh, specifically for you. Um, and that's Alan Robinson. He be a Ram. Um, and honestly, in my opinion, this puts the Rams – as the favorite in the NFC. In your opinion, are they in a great position to repeat? Did this really help them so much? Were you kind of shocked by this? I know I personally was. What was your instant reaction to hearing? I believe I was the one that broke the news to you, by the way. It was either me or Cooper Goble. Shout out Cooper. um, To the signing of Allen Robinson. 
I will be the first to admit I have not been an Allen Robinson fan in his career. Um, I have a good buddy. His name's Jake. He and I go back and forth about, uh, you know, the best wide receivers in the league. He's a big Bears fan. He used to talk about how Allen Robinson was a top five receiver in the league, and I would laugh in his face. Um, I, <laughs> when I heard this news, I was shocked because I knew first things first, if they're signing a wide receiver, that means one of them is not coming back. Uh, Cause there's only so much room on the depth chart for wide receivers. Um, and part of me was like, Oh, that means they're not going to re-sign Odell Beckham. And then news broke immediately after that, that they were still interested in bringing him back. And my immediate thought after that was, Oh my God, they're going to trade Robert Woods, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a little bit to make me sad again. Um, but Allen Robinson is a good signing. And the reason why is because he is a, different kind of wide receiver uh opposite cooper cup um he you know robert woods and cooper cup are very similar in the way they play football alan robinson is a little bit taller a little bit bigger uh he gives you a little bit different target and i think that that is going to complement cooper cup better than robert woods and i'm saying that as a guy who absolutely loved that duo of woods and cup and everything that they put out i mean their numbers were insane but you look at how Cooper Cup played after Robert Woods got hurt and Odell Beckham was the number two receiver, Cooper Cup got better. And I think it was because of the way they utilized him in the offense opposite uh, a different kind of threat in Odell Beckham. Um, and so I expect, you know, I would never, ever say that I expect Cooper Cup to put up the numbers that he put up last year. I mean, he had an insane season, uh, arguably the best, if not the second best season in wide receiver history in the NFL. Um, but <clears throat> this Allen Robinson deal is big, and I'm interested to see what happens. I can't agree more. I really think, <laughs> in my opinion, that this signing for Allen Robinson is the best thing the Rams could have done. Um, I think he fits perfectly as wide receiver n- number two next to Cooper Cup, and I think he's the best wide receiver too. They could really make fit there. I mean, obviously, you would argue that the second best wide receiver would be the best wide receiver two you can get, but that's not realistic. Realistically, this is a great fit, and I think it'll help Allen Robinson too. I think Cooper Cup's numbers will go down quite a bit this year, but with that, I don't think he'll be mad. I think Allen Robinson's numbers will also go down. Or maybe say about average, because honestly, with the Bears, he was having great years for lots of reasons. But I think this is a great signing for the Rams. Um, But as you mentioned, they do get rid of Robert Woods. They trade Robert Woods to Tennessee. um, And really, uh, this was kind of expected. Not necessarily Tennessee, but that he was going to be traded. And it was kind of instant shock because I believe he was traded for like a sixth round pick. But you got to remember how much money he's owed. He was coming off a big injury. Is it? It's hard to kind of remember that sometimes because like you think Robert Woods, he's worth. I would, I would have thought you know in my younger days a third round pick, something like that. And what do you think about the value that they got back from Robert Woods? I think if you ask any football fan that understands the game they did not get enough in return for him in the trade but when you talk to the Rams front office or you talk to Rams fans who understand realistically what this trade was all about 
Um, the Rams came out and said this. I'm not a Rams insider. I don't have an inside scoop with the front office, but I do do a lot of research when it comes to Rams moves and, you know, like what the point of it and what the, uh, you know, kind of motivation for it was. The Rams wanted to do right by Robert Woods. They knew that he needed to go. One, to get some of the money off the book so that they could, you know, sign other guys to areas of need. Uh, and two, they wanted to give Robert Woods the best chance to still contribute and win. So when they talked to him about the teams that have shown interest, they decided with Robert Woods to, to trade him to Tennessee. And so I think, you know, there's probably, you know, another team out there that gave a better offer, but the Rams respected Robert Woods enough and understand what he meant to the city of Los Angeles. You know, he was a USC Trojan. He is a SoCal guy for life. Um, they did him right by giving him the power to kind of make that decision. And in the end, it wasn't about what we got in return for Robert Woods. It was about how we treated him in that situation and giving him some power uh, over that decision. I, I tend to agree with that. I think, I think you could have possibly got a little bit more. I don't think a ton more because he is coming off the injury. But I do think the Rams could have got a little bit more from Robert Woods uh, in trade value. But I do like what they did, giving him pretty much a lot of say in where he went. And I respect the Rams for that decision. Um, you know, and now I won't make you sad anymore. We're going to move on to one of the more interesting teams. That's the Cleveland Browns. They trade for Deshaun Watson. Um, and sign him to a five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract, as well as trade for Amari Cooper. Let's start off with Deshaun Watson. I don't want to talk about Watson and his legal issues or no more legal issues or whatever. Uh, The allegations, this is a sports podcast, and I'm a 20-year-old kid that does not want to talk about that. But realistically, is Deshaun Watson going to play this year? <laughs> I absolutely think that we will see Deshaun Watson play this year. Um, I think it's likely that he's, you know, not uh, not in the lineup, you know, not on the field for the first four or five games. Uh, I, I expect there to still be something there, you know, suspension-wise, whatever. Um, but, yeah, I do think we'll see Deshaun Watson play this year, and I think we'll see him back at the top of his game. I think we see Deshaun Watson not just play this year, but play all 17 games unless something happens injury-wise. I think there will be, you know, a suspension thrown out there, appeal process. I think it's not this year, but the year after where we see Deshaun Watson possibly not play some games because of suspension. But I tend to agree. Um, But what's your opinion on this $230 million contract that's fully guaranteed? That's baffling, in my opinion. But what's your opinion on it? So I'm a little bit thrown off by the fully guaranteed thing. But Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the league when he's playing. I know we haven't seen him play in a while. Um, You know, a full year for that matter. Um, But when he's on the field, he is a top five, if not a top three quarterback in this league. And the Cleveland Browns are in a position now where they need to win. They have been the laughing stock of the league for years and years and years. They've had awful years. Um, you know, they 
they have had some really fun characters at quarterback. They they know how to pick their quarterbacks. I, I'll give them that. And by know how to pick, I mean know how to pick the worst possible uh, scenario. Baker Mayfield got them to you know to to the point of competing, um, but they were still not quite to the level of Super Bowl contention. And Deshaun Watson puts them there. So if they can get to a Super Bowl then his fully guaranteed contract uh, becomes, you know, worth it, in my opinion. But until they're there, that's still, I mean, it's it's questionable. I, I think there's a lot of questions about this contract. Um, there's a lot of questions about the Browns and the quarterbacks. And because of that, I don't fully really trust this whole um, signing $230 million Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed. Um, you know, worse comes to worse when it comes to Browns and quarterbacks, and I expect that to stay the truth. Um, but you know what? Maybe everything works out. Uh, and he's got a decent wide receiver with him. You know, no Landry, no Odell Beckham Jr., though apparently rumors have started to swirl that Odell might be interested in coming back to Cleveland. What do you think is Mari Cooper and Deshaun Watson in this QB wide receiver relationship? I think Amari Cooper is a really, really talented wide receiver. Um, I didn't like his fit in Dallas. Um, I am a, I'm probably the Cowboys number one hater. Uh, for whatever reason, I just don't like the Cowboys. So when Amari Cooper ended up on the Cowboys, I was immediately a hater there as well. Um, but I think he's a good fit in Cleveland. Their, their offense is going to be interesting because they've got, you know, they've, they've utilized their two uh, running back sets and, you know, getting uh, Chubb and and Kareem Hunt both involved. They're going from a run first kind of team to now they're really going to have to not be that. I mean, they're, they uh, franchise tag their, their tight end, um, David and Joku. They've got Amari Cooper and they're looking to bring back potentially Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham, which would be extremely interesting. It would be hysterical. Um, But it's an interesting team, and I'm anxious to see what they do with their offense. I did not know about the Jarvis Landry coming back. (laughs) It's extremely interesting. Um, I agree they could be more of a pass-first team. They have the offensive weapons. Uh, They can definitely be a threat in the AFC North, especially – um, with the way the AFC North is going. But then again, um, I mean, by that, I mean the Steelers kind of taking a step back. I think the Bengals will be a threat for the next few years, so maybe not. Um, they might be truly just the third-best team. I think currently they're the third-best team there. But finally, we're kind of going to move away from players who have been signed to players who haven't. So, um, you know, it is kind of a free-for-all. You can comment on who you want to, ignore who you want to. But, you know, Jarvis Landry, Debian Clowney, Odell Beckham Jr., who is injured, Stephon Gilmore, Tyran Matthew, Bobby Wagner, Julio Jones, and, of course, the legend Antonio Brown are just a few of the names, big names, who are unsigned right now. Uh, out of those players, or maybe someone I didn't even mention, uh, are there any shocks? Is there anyone you think is a great fit with the team currently? Um, something tells me you might talk about Bobby Wagner and his potential fit with the Rams, um, but different stuff like that, you know, just a little bit of a free for all session for this. Yeah, no, you put out some really, uh, interesting names because when you look at the, the names on that list, the guys you just called out, 
they're all potential stars for any team that they go to. Uh, some of them have been stars for years. Some of them have had, you know, kind of breakout years. And the fact that so many of them are still unsigned uh, kind of tells you what the state of the NFL is right now, where so many teams are really flirting with that salary cap uh, and like not going over. And a lot of these guys, like I'm going to use Jarvis Landry as a, an example. News came out today that he was expecting to get an average annual value of $20 million a year for Jarvis Landry. I mean, don't get me wrong. Talented wide receiver. Had some good years in Cleveland. But he's expecting $20 million a year. And he's wondering why no teams have signed him yet. Um, I mean, that's a red flag to me. I, I wouldn't want my team to touch him with a 10-foot pole. Um, partially because we've already got like 85 wide receivers um, on the roster, but also like, that's just ridiculous to me for, for Jarvis Landry. Um, Julio Jones is interesting because I still think he's got a couple years of, of still being a relevant wide receiver in the league. Um, but I just don't think that he is as valuable as he thinks he is. Um, Antonio Brown, no team should sign him. We should just forget Antonio Brown exists, let him work on his mental health, um, get him away from the football field, uh, all that. Odell Beckham, I fully expect to be a Ram again next year. I know I'm extremely biased in that. Uh, I just think that for him, it's going to be about um, running it back. He knows he's going to miss a a few weeks, you know, up to six to eight weeks of the season because of his injury. Um, I expect him to run it back and, and be ready playoff time. And who knows, maybe there'll be another injury and he'll end up having to be the guy. Um, as a Rams fan, I, the, the three names that really jump out to me uh, that I'm very excited about because the Rams have been linked to all three of these guys in some way, shape or form. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, Stefan Gilmore and Bobby Wagner. Um, they all three kind of fit an area of need for the Rams the Rams have Jalen Ramsey as their number one corner, but after that, they don't have a number two. Uh, their number two, Darius Williams, signed elsewhere in free agency, and they're down to a couple of nickel uh, corners to fill that number two role. So Stephon Gilmore going there to chase a ring would be awesome. Uh, the Rams have had a need at inside linebacker for years and years and years and years. They keep using like late-round draft picks as their starting uh, inside linebackers, uh, including this year it was um, – It was uh, Ernest Brown, and that's just not working. Uh, So, you know, Bobby Wagner fills an immediate need and would be extremely exciting. Uh, And then the last one, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, Again, I think he's another guy, and it's been like this for years. He thinks he's worth more than he's going to get. And at 29 years old, he's still serviceable. He's still good. Um, Put him uh, opposite Leonard Williams. Uh, and, and wow, did I say Leonard Williams? I meant Leonard Floyd. Sorry. Um, put him opposite Leonard Floyd and let him wreak some havoc on quarterbacks, have him fill that hole that Von Miller, uh, has given up. I think that is a fair assessment. I do expect one of those three defensive players to go to the Rams. Um, I'm going to focus a little bit on the wide receivers at first. I believe one of these wide receivers, I'm not going to tell you who because I don't know who, 
I think one of them will end up in New England. A lot of them have been tied to New England. Um, some of them have played for New England for about a week and a half. I don't think that one will end up there. Um, sorry, Antonio Brown. But I do think one of these wide receivers will end up in New England. Um, but honestly, we're seeing there is uh, – obviously, the wide receiver game is changing this year with Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill's deals. Um, we're, and it started with Christian Kirk getting way too much money than he should have from Jacksonville. Um, but I think a lot of these players may not go sign for a, a while. Honestly, I I don't think I would sign Odell Beckham Jr. until he's not injured anymore. Um, personally, I'd want to see him work out. Um, the one team that I would maybe be willing to risk uh, if I was them is definitely going to be the Rams just because, you know, they've been with him. Um, but I wouldn't. Most teams, I wouldn't stay away from Odell Beckham Jr. Jarvis Landry, I think, asking for $20 million, like you mentioned, is a little too much. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one that signed the quick list out of the wide receiver. Um, but I think, you know, Bobby Wagner's interesting. I think he could go in and be a really great player. Uh, Stephon Gilmore is interesting. I think someone will probably overpay and regret that one. Uh, it's an interesting group, but all these players kind of have a similar theme. I think they are in the back half of their prime. They've already been through their prime, and now they're going to be just average players that aren't quite ready to admit they're on the back half of their prime. So with that, I'm not too surprised any of them are teamless at the time being. I think as we get through after the draft and, you know, mini camps and stuff like that, and right before training camp, some of these guys will be picked up, some of them even before that. But I do can't say I'm too surprised that this is the list of names that we have. There's some great names. Um, there are some names I don't expect to get signed. Antonio Brown is definitely one of them. Odell wouldn't surprise me too much. Um, but, you know, the name that neither of us really mentioned, Tyrant Matthew, um, I think he is a for sure going to get signed sooner rather than later. Um, but I don't – I think he's just the most solid, most likely to do a decent job um, and not be too much of an issue and probably hopefully going to be most realistic with how much money he wants and deserves. But only time will tell. But as always, as you know, Kyle, we always wrap up with your – spotlight of the episode i'm actually going to go first have to give a little bit of a shout out to um, my producer here at elon um i was talking to him we were talking about formula one which is a newfound love of mine in case you all don't follow me on social media though i don't know how you find my podcast if you don't um but i really have fallen in love with formula one because of drive to survive on netflix and he was telling me that it's brought in so much young money and young viewership and really helped them um, win that Formula One and their president denied it for two or three years beforehand. So it's been really um, kind of watching that has really got me interested in Formula One. And these past two weekends have been the first two races of the year. And I have to say, my spotlight of the episode goes to the defending champion Max Verstappen, or I just butchered his name, but you all know who I'm talking about with Max, uh, if you watch Formula One. He is a very aggressive driver. He is not very patient. He goes, goes, goes for it, as he should, you know, as a young driver typically does in any racing events. This past weekend, they were out in Saudi Arabia for the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix, and um, this new year has done lots of changes to Formula One. And with that, it's making it easier to follow, and almost the best way to attack is to defend, honestly. And so... 
Max is in second place, about five laps to go or so. He overtakes Dylan to turn one to take first away from Charles Leclerc. And right away, Leclerc takes it back because just that's kind of what we were seeing from the Grand Prix. So a few more laps goes by. There's about two laps to go. He is more patient and makes his move a little bit later on the course where Leclerc defended that move pretty much. Took the lead and ended up running away with the Grand Prix and got his first victory of the year. That, in a single word, is called growth. He is a very aggressive player or aggressive driver that was calm, cool, and collected saw his mistake, fixed it, which can be hard to do for a younger driver, no matter the sport um, or the race. Um, and so just watching that and seeing that growth was honestly really impressive. And plus, it's a way to shout out a Formula One that I've fallen in love with. But I'll throw it over to you, Kyle, for your spotlight of the episode. I love that you're giving some, you know, some some much deserved love to to racing and motorsports. Uh, would have loved to have heard a little bit more NASCAR mentioned in there because it is far superior. No, um, but <clears throat> you know what? To each their own. But for me, spotlight of the episode has to be the nostalgia factor of Albert Pujols wearing a Cardinals jersey again. All right, I woke up this morning thinking, wow, it would be really cool if that happened. I knew he had been talking to the Cardinals organization. You know, I never in a million years thought it would happen unless it was a 10-day contract for him to retire. But as of this morning... Albert Pujols has signed a one-year deal to be a St. Louis Cardinal one more time. And I don't know if you followed any of the MLB offseason. The Cardinals have not done much uh, this offseason, and their team is fairly mediocre. They're in a really bad division, so they could, you know, still win their division and make the playoffs, and that would be awesome. But for any Cardinal fans who are over the age of, let's say, 25 years of age, this year is going to be all about nostalgia. You're going to have Albert Pujols in the lineup, probably DHing against left-handed pitchers. Um, you're going to have Yadier Molina behind the plate, and you're still going to see Adam Wainwright on the mound. So for any Cardinal fans over the age of 25, you're going to want to go to every single home game and you're going to want to give Pujols a standing ovation for every single at-bat. And those standing ovations are not going to end until his career is over. Uh, because if there's one thing that Cardinal Nation does well, it's respect and show respect to our legends, our former players, and now the ones who have come home to us. Uh, so I'm very excited to see Albert back. He's not what he used to be. The dude's old. All right. He's, you know, 40, what is he, 42, 44, somewhere in that range. The dude is old. He's not going to be an all-star, but just seeing him as a Cardinal again is what it's all about. And I could not have been happier to see that signing. I would just like to say it's going to be nostalgic for any Cardinals fan who's probably over the age of 20 or so. I remember Pujols very, very well, and I'm not much of a baseball guy. That's starting to change because I did pay decent amount of attention to the MLB this offseason. I'm going to be working with some baseball this summer, um, different things like that. But I knew you were going to pick that. Uh, if you asked me before who I thought you were going to pick, I would have told you it was that. You know, the clear option would have been picking St. Peter's um, and the Peacocks or an NCAA team um, or a player. But I knew neither of us would. Um, but it was <laughs> great to see Pujols come back to the Cardinals. You know, I thought last year was supposed to be his last year. Um, and, you know, he almost went to the Cardinals when he was cut from the Angels, ended up staying in L.A., going to the Dodgers. But now he's coming back to St. Louis and it will be 
really, really cool. I won't be too far from St. Louis. May have to go down there and catch a game or two this summer. No doubt about it. Pujols, he is the Cardinals when I think of the Cardinals personally. Um, that 2011 World Series specifically. But as always, Kyle, you know, you come on here, we talk for an hour about sports when I'm expecting a 30-minute episode. But hey, can't complain at all. It's always so much fun. Thank you as always for coming on. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And we out.